think, okay, I think everything's working. Cool. Good. <laughs> I set it up all on my own today, guys. You should be so proud of me. All right. So joining joining us today, obviously, is the illustrious The Missing Enigma. Do you want to give yourself a shout out for anybody who doesn't know who you are? Yeah, I'm The Missing Enigma. My name is Nick. Uh, my channel is almost entirely focused on missing persons cases. Um, every time I release a video, I really try to do the deepest dive I can and 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 try to put something out there that has new information if I can. I, I don't like I'm reiterating things that have already been done. But um, if you're interested in missing persons cases, especially ones you probably know from missing 411, uh, I think my channel's a good one for that kind of information. I, I have to agree. Uh, your video on Aaron Hedges is what got us to change our minds about, about just all of it <laughs> and start taking right. a much more skeptical look at things. Um, yeah. you know, the, the level of, the level of police, like documentation in that was something that we had never done. And we were like, Oh God, this guy, this guy knows what he's doing. <laughs> this is cool. Um, yeah. So, yeah, no, that, that was a mind blowing. Even I was surprised by that one. Yeah. It's uh, yeah, as it, as it kind of, uh, came out and I was reading about it and stuff just, just because, you know, when you know a case mm -hmm. well, or you think, you know, a case well, cause you watch like a documentary or something. And then you, you know, you find out a lot more information. You're kind of like, oh, wow, that really changes my perspective. Yeah. And these these cases specifically definitely see a lot of that. But the reason that we're having you on, or I guess I'm having you on, Aiden's somewhere up in New York or northern Pennsylvania doing something. Uh, but yeah, so the reason that, that, I, that we're bringing you back on tonight is that uh, you, you did a video on Charles McCuller recently, which I unfortunately have not had the, uh, the time to watch. I was hoping to get that in, but then we got stuck in New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> for like two days uh so you you came across some new stuff and i know i was i was informed about it by people who had watched your video and then came to me and were like hey uh nick wants to talk to you so i'm curious where you netted out because we're going to talk about charles mcculler specifically i uh, one of the cases i don't think we've had had an opportunity to talk in depth about you and i you've been on the show a couple of times i think um yeah but that was one of the ones that I think, just like Aaron Hedges, there's those details in the Missing 411 books and movies that you sort of start scratching your head about. Like, uh, did this actually happen? Is this real? What's the source material? And it's, I think that's probably, that as well as the Aaron Hedges case are probably the two ones that I think most often lead people to question David Politis overall. But these, mm -hmm. in these cases, uh, Stacey Aris is another one for me because I cannot find any evidence that there was ever a lens cap found by the lake, but that's not the point. <laughs> um, I knitted out with the Charles McCuller video on this seems like he was killed. Like something happened, either he was hitchhiking and he got robbed or maybe he stumbled across an illegal growing compound of some sort. But I, I netted out on I feel like this was foul play. You, on the other hand, netted out more on the some. It was some sort of accident side of things. So, yeah. do you want to take us through like your your thought process, your timeline? Um, sure, I can take you through the whole timeline if we want to get uh, real specific about it. Oh hell yes, um, get real specific. We got an hour and a half to kill. Okay, <laughs> okay. Let's also do it. for anybody who uh, maybe hasn't seen the show or is new to it, we do do a question and answer section at the end. It's usually the last half hour or so. And the way that we do that is we go through and we read super chats. So if you have questions, comments, stuff like that, feel free to throw it in. We will get to it in the last half hour of the show around 8 p.m. So continue, Nick. All right. All right. I'll go through it. I just, 
I, I wrote a lot of this down because we got a lot of dates and times and whatnot. But uh, if you want to chime in at any point, you think I left something out, I'm just going to go through the disappearance, the search, and the discovery, kind of the three main parts of his uh, disappearance. Uh, we got Charles McCuller. He uh, was from Alexandria, Virginia, 19 years old, six foot three, 150 pounds. Which is just a wild height to weight <laughs> right. ratio. I know, right? That was a skinny dude. Um, he was an experienced hiker, camper, uh, probably learned it from his dad, who seems like he was a hardy fellow. We can get into that. Yeah, we're going to get um, into his dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, on January 8th, 1975, he began a 60-day bus and hiking tour of the U.S. National Parks. He stayed in touch with his family throughout most of January. And on January 27th, he's in Eugene, Oregon, staying with a female friend of his named Dorothy. He tells Dorothy that he's going to Crater Lake on the 29th of January with plans to return on February 1st. That's about four days. And uh, while there, he just wanted to take pictures of the lake and the surrounding areas. Uh, at the time, Crater Lake is covered in snow. Every year, it gets tons of snow, 40 feet. At the time, I think they estimate maybe 8 to 10 feet in some areas mm -hmm. and uh, probably less in others. Um, but he tells Dorothy that if he's not back by February 1st, call the cops. Um, he had a reasonable amount of gear, though, not a whole lot. I mean, he had a sleeping bag that was rated to minus 25 Fahrenheit, a tarp and rope to kind of make a little shelter if he needed it, and presumably enough food to last the trip. Um, he told Dorothy that he was planning to take the bus from Eugene, Oregon to Roseburg. That's about an hour long trip, 72 miles. And then he was going to hitchhike from Roseburg east to Crater Lake. That's if you were just driving the whole thing would take an hour and a half. That's 86 miles, but hitchhiking bit, bit different. anyone's guess. Yeah. Also probably worth uh, mentioning that the hitchhiking was a lot more common in the 1970s and eighties than it is now. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Undoubtedly. Yeah. Um, so he doesn't come back. And when February 1st rolls around, Dorothy contacts the police, as she promised you do. Search begins. They don't really know where to look for him, you know, because he just vanished. So they don't know if he made it to Crater Lake. They're going along the highways looking for him. Um, the first weekend after he disappears, 80 inches of fresh snow fall. Mm -hmm. And that certainly hampers things a bit on the uh, uh, search side. Um, as the search plays out though they're able to narrow things down a bit once a few witnesses come forward and the first one we get is someone who says that they saw charles at the place called the dry creek store which is like halfway between roseburg and crater lake and they said they saw him on the 29th so the day that he left on his trip and there's two sources on this that that differ you got a newspaper that says he was cited there at 7 30 a.m on that day and uh Charles McCullough's father, who says he was cited there at 6.30 p.m. And um, I think it's probably the later time mm -hmm. uh, that would make most sense. because That's when the most people are going to be out and about. The most likely that somebody's going to get spotted. Well, and, and the next witness, you know, on January 30th is a log truck driver mm -hmm. uh, who says he drove Charles to Stump Lake, <laughs> which is like not far from where the Dry Creek store is. And so... And, and if he was at the Dry Creek store at 7.30 a.m., I would have thought he would have gone farther that day than just stopping there. Yeah. And then, you know, so I think he was there that evening. And in the morning, he started moving east some more. This log truck driver described him to a T, a guy from Virginia going to the Crater Lake and taking pictures. 
but he dropped him off at Stump Lake. So we're still 20 miles out from Crater Lake. But this is basically the last kind of confirmed sighting of him. Um, but the next obvious stop on his journey was a place called the Diamond Lake Resort, because if you needed to stop somewhere and rest, that would be the obvious spots right on the outskirts of Crater Lake. It's a really popular destination for people who want to go skiing or snowmobiling in the area. And uh, their investigation took them there and they asked for um, the names of the patrons who were staying there that weekend. And 88 people, names of 88 people were given mm -hmm. to them. Uh, there is a a little discrepancy here, maybe that it, that list may be incomplete, uh, but we can get into that part. Um, and this is really kind of where the the initial search for him ends because mm -hmm. they didn't find anything uh, initially, and nothing ever turned up. And Charles McCuller's father, he was very upset about this. He thought that there was some sort of foul play um but yeah he thought there was foul play like from before from the they even found him yeah and so in the interim like right after this he was sending letters to all sorts of people we can get into those in a bit but i'll just quickly go to the sure. discovery of the remains which was almost two years later october 14th 1976 we got two hikers that are in crater lake itself two guys from san antonio texas their names are Tom Gaines and Paul Taylor. Uh, they were on the Pacific Crest Trail near Bybee Creek. They diverted onto a spur trail, which uh, this spur trail is used for camping on the PCT. If you're mm -hmm. going on it and you know you just want to stop somewhere, this is a good camping area. For some reason, they just kept walking into the woods. I and I, I really don't know. I wish I could interview these people because I have no idea what they would be doing walking down into this. Bybee Creek drainage area. I, and, it is a little they, odd, but also like when my friends and I go camping, if we're out in like a big area, we often do just kind of go explore. Go explore, so which it is does possible. Seem possible. If they were camping, right? If they were camping in that spot, I suppose yeah. they could have been. Let's go see if we can get down to the creek. Maybe you're right. Then they just wanted to, and once they made it down to the creek, they found a backpack and some camping gear and other things. They took some keys out of the backpack, Volkswagen keys, and took him back to the ranger station. The ranger there recognized them because there was a Xerox of mm -hmm. the key that Charles was supposedly had on him and it matched the key that was brought in. And uh, two rangers, Dave Lang and Marion Jack, went to the spot uh, that was described. It's a bowl-shaped canyon in Bybee Creek. They find the backpack, they find some clothes draped on a log, though they believed it was Gaines and Taylor who put them there. Um, they find a jawbone, skull, lower leg bone at the base of a steep ridge. They find a long list of items, mm -hmm. but notably absent are Charles's camera and his boots. Uh, the area gets searched later with metal detectors, and they find some metal food cans and stuff. And Charles McCuller's father comes in and looks at the area. Um, but that's where the investigation basically ends. That's what we're left with. And there's no real determination as to what happened. Uh, but there's really only two possibilities in my mind. And that's either foul play or an accident. And this is very different from if you've, if you're familiar with missing 411. I mean, this case I got into mm -hmm. missing 411. And when I heard this case, this really got me into it because 
in the missing four on one books, it's described that there's there's that little quote, weird thing. That, you thinking of the weird thing? There's this yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's this quote in there that his they find his pants and they look as if he just melted into the ground and disappeared. And the way it was presented the first time a lot of people. Yeah, the way I heard about it the first time was was through Mr. Bolin and his the version of events that he presented was that and this is not me in any way trying to, you know, bash Mr. Bolin. It's he's he's a different kind of content creator. He's a storyteller. Um he's right. he's not a not a missing persons well researcher. Um so I don't I don't hold him accountable for any of this. I hold David Politis. Uh but yeah, so his version of things, the way he described it was that Charles' pants were found sitting on a log. His socks were still in the pants, and his feet were in the socks. None of that was true. <laughs> and I have no idea where David Politis came up with it. Um, because I, I believe the story he gave was that he interviewed those two hikers who were there. Well, the the story is that he, he interviewed Mary and Jack, mm -hmm. one of the rangers who mm -hmm. went there. And he said he found Marion, who was still alive at the time. He's not anymore, sadly. Um, but he said that when he talked to Marion, that's where he got the quote, Marion Jack, one of the rangers, mm -hmm. he said, said that the pants looked like if someone was standing straight up, that they melted straight down into the ground. Mm -hmm. And I don't know that if, if the ranger Jack, if he did say that, if he really meant that mm -hmm. that's what happened or what he actually thought about the case, you know, it's, it's, it's a quote that captures people's imagination. But uh, one thing that struck me about that interview that Politis said he did was that the ranger said that in one of the pant legs, he found a, a broken lower leg bone. Mm -hmm. And that struck me because in doing my video, one of the worst parts about this case for a long time has been that the National Parks reports about this case were lost. Mm -hmm. And that Politis couldn't find them and I couldn't find them for a long time. But Which, of course, leads just, you to ask the question, were they actually lost or were they lost? Well, and then this last year, I found out that mm -hmm. the state of Oregon actually mm -hmm. held copies. Oh. And so I got them. And they do describe finding the clothes and that they find a lower leg bone in the clothes, but they don't describe it as broken. They don't describe finding any feet with mm -hmm. the foot bones or anything like that. Um, but those two things almost match up. And, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to go as far as to say like, uh, Politis didn't do that interview. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I, I got I no evidence either the way. I do too, especially because those two things, they match up in a way. Um, but there's a lot of little discrepancies between different people's versions of events, like what Marion Jack said to David Politis. Mm -hmm. The person who wrote the report was the other ranger, Dave Lang. Right. And, and, you know, he leaves details out like, was that leg bone they found in the pants broken? Uh, I don't know, but that's, it would be an important thing to put in. Um, and so there's, little discrepancies um but i don't know i think one of the big things about this case that made me um, lean towards accidental death is honestly it, that broken leg bone if it was in fact broken you know because the body was found at the base of a steep ridge mm -hmm. and 
I wish I could have gone to that spot exactly because um, I was in Crater Lake and I tried to get to that spot. Uh, it's it's a lot my... harder to get to a lot of these places than I think people realize. Yeah. And uh, if I, I'm going to try it again one day and I'm going to try a different route. Uh, my idea, you know, when I looked at it on a map, I was I saw the forest roads that kind of get semi close to that area. And I was like, well, I could just drive down that and walk right in. No trails or mm -hmm. anything, you know. And it's a lot harder to make your own trail than to just walk on a trail. Yep. And uh, and and I could not get to the spot. I and once I got to Bybee Creek, that the it's in a canyon, and once you that canyon is so steep that I would need a rope to get down it, and I had to give up on that day and try again another day. But um, one thing that did strike me about being there though was you know you're just walking through really thick trees and brush and you can hear Bybee Creek running and you think it, you're going to pop out somewhere and it's just going to be right there in front of you but instead I just walked through some brush and there was a steep cliff I couldn't even see the creek mm -hmm. at all at any point because it was so thick right um and I was thinking you know if it was really snowy there and someone was walking in that area you know, things called like cornices can develop where it, it almost looks like a false ledge mm -hmm. and you can walk too far and you can trip and you can fall and the right. snow collapses. And that's where my mind started going with this case was that, well, maybe he was out there and then he came too close to the edge and he just tumbled down that canyon, broke his leg and there was just no way out. How far down was it again? I thought it was like some like eight, eight to 10 feet. The canyon, the the ledge from the that sits over Bybee Creek, yeah. No, it's a lot steeper than that. It is. Yeah. Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I like I said, I when I I'll look it up real quick. I couldn't even see the creek. Yeah, I'm struggling and, to find uh, the right spot in my notes right now, which is frustrating. <laughs> no, no, it would be something that if you fell down it, uh -huh. it would be a serious problem. Gotcha. Um. Because if, yeah, if I thought I could have gotten down there just without a rope, I would have, I would have attempted it, but it right. looked too dangerous. Although I went from the opposite direction that the two hikers did. So the way into that Bybee Creek kind mm -hmm. of drainage area might've been a lot easier for them. Right. And so I did you it, came in, did you come in from came, the park side or from the trail side? The I came in from... I was going from I was going to the east, coming from the west, going to the east. Gotcha. Okay, so the, I, so I came in. The I came in on the west side the of the way. park. Exactly, more than likely. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I I just determined in my head that that was going to be the easy way to get in there. Yeah. And uh, absolutely messed that up. The easy the is not the way to describe hiking. anything about this. <laughs> it was, it was honestly the worst hiking experience yeah. I've ever had. Uh, what what time of year the, was it for you? It was summer. Summer. And and it was excruciatingly hot, and the mosquitoes in Crater Lake are unlike anything I've ever seen. And I don't know if they just like my blood, but I got bit almost a hundred times, right through the clothes. I was just like covered. I got a sting that, like, swelled up the size of an egg, and I don't. I I was just. It was an unhappy time, and, <laughs> uh, yeah. If I went back, I'd go back in a different season and go at it a different way. Yeah, probably like spring or fall. Yeah, 
and uh we tried yeah, to so- we tried to plan that right when we went down to uh the smokies to look to look into the dennis martin stuff we went in november it was like 70 degrees yeah why <laughs> yeah yeah you know i so you never it never goes according to plan when you do those things i swear right oh no never um like how we went to new orleans and got food poisoning it was just, just a great time <laughs> yeah something always goes wrong I, uh so you're so you're thinking then that what happened here is that charles was off trail hiking and came across this this ledge basically and Remind me, the ledge, is it the same height on both sides? Is it a canyon or is it a ledge and then down and then flat? The the creek itself is like in a very steep canyon, Got it. you know, like that. And, you know, being at the top of that mm-hmm. and trying to look over it with the brush being so thick and it being so far down, I couldn't see the creek at all. Right. Um, the elevation there is, gosh trying to look it up myself but it it would have it would have been a bad drop but the question i suppose isn't always necessarily like it's really how could he get there to begin with that's mm-hmm. the main question that's what i, I, I was think about that's to the ask crux you about of this case is how would he get there to begin with yeah and i'm trying to find the exact the exact spot in here where i went over it but he's like he's like eight miles from the park entrance, I think, if I remember correctly, I'm gonna pull a uh, pull it up over here. But that sounds about right. Ivy Creek, Oregon. Let's pull this bad boy up. Yeah. So the spot he was found, if I remember correctly, was I want to say eight miles from the park entrance and three miles off trail, something like that. Or it was, it, yeah. That sounds about right because I think if you were on Rim Drive and just started walking off into the woods, it would be about three miles to get to that spot. Yeah, so, so it would be it would be significantly closer if you were walking on the PCT, but exactly. no one would be really doing that in winter <laughs> because exactly. you couldn't it's... even see the PCT. So my thinking with this, based on everything, so first of all, the north entrance to the park was closed. Correct. Um, they, most people well people go in there but snowmobilers only exactly so the question is first of all like you know why did he enter through the closed side did he know if it was closed did he get there and figure ah well whatever i'll go in anyway um you know again 19 year old kid would not would not surprise me i remember thinking i was invincible at that age uh but yeah i mean looking at it I'm trying to pull it up right now um well, one thing I'll say about the north-south entrance thing is yeah. that I leave it open in my mind that he could have gone to the south entrance. And my main argument for that mm-hmm. would be Mr. McCuller in his letters, he mentions the possibility of this third witness who may have seen his son. Right. And this was an employee at Diamond Lake Resort. And this is just a brief mention in his letters, but he says he talks to an employee there who around January 30th, mm-hmm. a young man came in late at night and asked the employee how far it was to get around the lake. Right. And he said he thought that it was his son because he thought it was a question his son would ask. There's not a lot of great evidence there. There's no yeah. description of the individual. But if that was Charles, it almost sounds like 
he's trying to find out how far it would be if he was trying to get to the south entrance right and because he could have he could have got there and told somebody about what his plans were and they were like oh well the park's closed from the north you got to go in the south right because uh mr or mcculler senior's argument too was that on the 30th his son tried the north entrance and failed to get in and turn back and went to diamond lake and then asked that question and if things did go that way my question would be well if he tried the north entrance and failed what are the chances he would try that again instead of trying to maybe hitchhike around which is like a 40 mile journey right um or yeah it's a long way to go to get to the other side of the lake yeah Uh, but you know if you were able to get a ride it wouldn't be terrible but that's you know a big if exactly and at the same time at that point uh, you would think that somebody would remember giving him a ride to the south entrance you would but you know we definitely didn't have time to hike it no absolutely not but we never found out who the driver was that gave Mm -hmm. him the ride to the dry creek store gotcha you know that person never came forward the only the only person that gave him a ride was this log trucker who Mm -hmm. took him 20 or from dry creek store to stump lake right so if there and it, there may have been another driver who gave him a ride from there to diamond lake uh so i don't know you know you hope that someone would come forward saying they gave someone a ride but it doesn't always happen um the alternative theory i would have about the north entrance would be that if he tried going in there on the 30th and he knew how to make snowshoes which his dad said that he did would he try the north again the next day or would he spend the rest of the 30th and maybe some of the 31st trying to fashion snowshoes mm-hmm. so he could have an easier time of getting in yeah it's... you know if he had the knowledge to make them it would have made his journey a lot easier yeah it's the whole thing i think really does hinge on that point of where did he enter the park and then also how did he get all the way over there because again i mean they didn't find snowshoes that's right but they that didn't is find important shoes what either they didn't find they didn't shoes find either shoes. yeah so and, the official yeah. explanation if i remember correctly was that they thought he had fallen into the creek uh maybe trying to cross the creek over the snow fallen in and ended up getting trapped down there either hurt and couldn't pull himself back up or he drowned or he you know died because it was cold i and then animals in the spring, once it thawed, came and scavenged his body, and that's possibly how his stuff would have ended up elsewhere, also if it were in the river. Um, but from what I remember, and again, it's driving me nuts that I can't find my notes about his campsite, um, or about his camp, it looked as though he had, there was, if I remember correctly, somebody suggested that it looked as though he had actually set up some form of camp, that he had put stuff away, looked like he had been setting up for the night. Well, Charles Sr.'s big, he wrote a letter Mm -hmm. and in it he put his theory about what might have happened to his son. And his theory was that Charles was bedded down for the night somewhere. Yeah. And that somebody got him while he was sleeping, essentially. Right. And then dumped his body in Bybee Creek via snowmobile, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, I suppose it is possible. It is possible. Um, You know, Today, when I was there, I was wondering how someone could get in via snowmobile. But, you know, many years ago, it could have been even more possible. Today, there's just so many trees everywhere. Yeah. 
um i mean it it is possible but the thing that i found that kind of contradicted what mr mcculler was saying about this theory that he had that charles was asleep and someone attacked him is that charles i mean uh, mr mcculler charles's father also in the same letter talks about how they found his foam uh his foam sleeping pad rolled up and tied mm -hmm. and if he got attacked while he was asleep that she wouldn't be think. that way yeah so i was able to find my my notes on what was found actually so i want to know if this squares with what you found um yeah so it was uh there were clothes in his pack they were still in good condition so it had to have been protected from the elements uh his right. sleeping bag had no rips or tears which would have indicated that it was manipulated by an animal uh yet it was partially into the creek when it was found um the other one what, let's see uh his rubber pad was also found uh his blue jeans contained no coins scraps keys or anything in the pockets at all is that all sound incorrect yep. so far okay this uh, is from uh mr mcculler's letter right uh yes i believe so um yeah if i can prior to the discoveries of his remains crater lake park rangers more than once expressed the opinion okay yeah here we go so this is this is basically what I have regarding his his remains. Um, also, I think it's hilarious that Oregon took the position that it was inappropriate and unwarranted to interview people known to have been traveling to the resort that day. Originally, they were like, "Ah, that seems a little, they a little did, invasive." They, they were they were negligent in a exactly. number of areas it's, for sure. Oh boy. Uh, but yeah, so what I have in here is uh, a quote that I'm trying, I believe this was from Charles, uh, senior prior to the discovery of his remains, Crater Lake park rangers more than once expressed the opinion that without skis or snowshoes, Chuck would have been unable to travel into the park more than a mile or two at most before becoming exhausted. Uh, so that's, that is the one in there that really, for me was like, this is weird. But as for the remains, they were found 12 miles into the park and a mile from the nearest trail. Uh, and then they found all of the stuff I mentioned, as well as scraps of red fabric and red buttons, as well as scraps of underwear scattered about. Many of his possessions weren't found, like his mess kit, his boots, his knives, his sleeping bag cover, uh, his aluminum pack rack, basically a bunch of his camping gear. Uh, yeah. And then, uh, I, I'm not sure what I meant by this, but he had two zippers found in the zip position, one atop the other. I, I don't know necessarily what I was referring to there. Hmm. um empty food remember, containers were found line. but chuck always followed the leave no trace guidance right. um senior doubted that he fell into the creek as he would have taken off his wet clothes to put on dry ones um this is that he fell into the creek prior to dying basically he fell into the creek survived put on dry clothes i uh, see what else do i have in here it was found within inches of the creek the remains clad in underwear two pairs of jeans a red shirt and perhaps socks but his boots were gone that all square yep all right um let's see and so uh yeah that's that's kind of the gist of what was found that i have in here i just want to make sure that i had everything correct uh it was suggested that other people might have looted the site and that's why he didn't have anything in his pockets but nobody reported the body and also eh. yeah i don't know <laughs> if it necessarily requires people brought that up to me too that it requires people looting the body yeah um 
And I, I've finally pulled it up here. If he would have fallen from the top of the Bybee Creek, what I call a canyon, mm-hmm. that's a that's a 200 foot tumble. It's 200 so, feet. Yeah. What? Yeah. Are we looking at the same? Hang on. <laughs> yeah. Now I need to look at the topographical map really quick because I'm like, wait a minute. Um. All right. So also, it's frustrating because Bybee Creek splits into like. Yeah. A couple of different ones. Um. Sorry, I'm just trying to get like. It was a mile off of the road. Was it a mile off the road or a mile off the trail? Let me see here. Um, mile from the nearest trail, which mile from the yeah it's would have much been much further from the main road. Yeah, so we're talking a mile from the nearest trail, which would be the which trail is that? It would be the Pacific Crest. Okay, so it is Pacific Crest. Um, okay, so he would have been going can, from the Pacific the way to Crest identify Trail. It, if you're looking at Bybee Creek and yeah. you're looking at the topographic, there's like this, it's kind of just shaped like a, it's a circular, semi-circular, maybe even rectangular almost, I don't know, oval. Mm-hmm. And it's like just this indentation in the creek where the creek is on the north um, end of it. Gotcha. And his, his remains right. were found at the top left-hand corner of that. I see what you're talking about now. Yeah, damn, that's a lot steeper than than it was in my mind. Because I think it was Chuck's letter, I think is what I was referring to, where yeah. he described what he thought happened, where he described this as being considerably less steep. <laughs> you're you're right, because he said someone could like snowmobile kind of along the edge. Yeah. And um when I and I was shocked because I didn't think it was that steep when I was going there. And right. then when I got there, that's what foiled me because I was like, whoa, I thought I could just walk down to the creek. No. And I realized I couldn't. Is it that steep let, all the way up? Or is it just that one spot a mile in? I think it's just that one kind of area. I think if you went around and came from the other direction where Gaines and Taylor came mm-hmm. in, I don't think they had a problem because uh, – yeah, because they were coming in from the other side. I think if right. you, there, there's got to be a way in, obviously. Yeah, it's um, it's definitely, I'm looking at the topographical right now. It starts out a lot shallower. Um, we're looking at, trying to see the... Coming yeah, from east so, to west? Yeah, so, yes. I mean, it goes down, I'm looking at these, these are like, uh, no, coming from west to east, it starts out a lot shallower than it gets. Oh, uh, I see. Because it, it goes from being like, um these are uh, it's 40 foot 40 feet between the lines so we're talking about a couple hundred feet at first and then it gets down to a point where like the top is at five thousand feet and the the bottom is at like four thousand like a mile yeah. from the trail uh how, how did you locate the exact spot where his body was found um in the National Park record copies that I got from uh-huh. Oregon, there was a really, really good map with a location. Damn. And so... um and and it, and uh, and one of the rangers drew a map of the area out with hand and showed where all the pieces were found, where the right. skull was found and what the topographical makeup of the area looked like. Mm-hmm. And I just matched that up as best I could to what we see on Google Maps. Gotcha. Um and so he was found that's hard for me to describe, but uh, it looked like his body was on the south side of the creek okay. um, and in the top left corner area of that divot right there at the at the base. Right right before the, the canyon starts heading kind of southward. Okay. 
he was found right there and um yeah all right which you could say you know i mean i get mr mcculler when he was saying someone could dump a body it's possible someone tossed a body down there i suppose uh but yeah it's so i'm just thinking um so is this this is before before it splits right into yeah kind of that little oval Yes. Yeah. So before right that, before it's right before that. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. Um, readjust because I just want to give people an idea of where we're talking about here. Uh, all right. So move this guy over here. Put it over, over my face. So for oh, those, sweet. you can bring it up. Yeah, I can pop it over onto the other screen. All right. Here we go. So the trail, for those viewing at home, uh, trails about right here kind of follows this this dashed line around here. But uh, if we're selecting there, then, you know, we basically have, if that's the nearest point on the trail, mile, it's going to be somewhere in this general area, which as you can see, looking at the map, is, that that's steep. That's definitely more than like the, the 16 to 20 feet that I was thinking. Um, and in terms of where that is in the park, that's the thing, is it is like, in the park the entrance is yeah. <laughs> up over this way and you got to go I, I mean you're you're literally walking eight eight to ten miles before you get to where he probably went off trail which i think is the other question i have is did he did he go off the trail where the creek meets the trail like what do you think happened here well my best best guess i guess i mean and and when i started trying to formulate a theory for like what could happen in an accident. Um, I didn't want to just depend on, well, the, the fact like, well, maybe he made snowshoes mm -hmm. and was able to walk in on those. I really wanted to see if there was any possible way someone could make that walk at mm -hmm. all. And right. not I just with snowshoes. <laughs> right. And I contacted a bunch of YouTubers, like the ones that you always see outdoors, uh, walking mm -hmm. in deep snow and building snow caves and stuff. Um, and I, I literally presented them with all of the details of the Charles McCuller case, you know, 19 year old guy, uh, he's fit, he's healthy, he knows how to hike, but could he walk this in deep snow, possibly mm -hmm. eight to 10 feet? And all of them said, no, he couldn't do it without snowshoes, but definitely not without snowshoes. A few of them said there would be an exception to that. And that was if the snow had melted and then refrozen to create a hard enough crust that you mm -hmm. could walk on because they say you know you get lots of different types of snow which is true you get you know the powdery kind that you just mm -hmm. sneak sink into and you can't move and it just kind of traps you and you can't really walk in it and but frozen snow sometimes you can walk on it relatively easily but for and a full I'm mile not, well it i mean it's well one thing that made me think this could possibly be it is that if you look at the weather records for the mm -hmm. time he entered the park right before there was this pretty good thaw where the temperatures were in the 50s which is mm -hmm. kind of unusual for that time of year and then right before he enters the park they plummet down to zero yeah and so there was a thaw and a refreeze right and i'm not saying that the snow was because no one knows what the snow was like but it just gave me the thought like well I mean, there's a possibility that he was able to walk on it easier than we thought. Mm -hmm. And the searchers would not have experienced the same thing because 80 inches of snow fell like right after he disappeared. Yeah. It's... And so fresh snow would have prevented the similar conditions. 
And I don't know if I hadn't have come across those weather conditions that mm -hmm. happened right before he entered the park, the, the thaw for a few weeks and then a deep freeze. I, I wouldn't even have brought it up. Right. But I, it, it just it puts something in my mind. that's like, well, maybe he didn't have as hard of a time moving around as we think he might have. But I don't know. Yeah. So. When you're, you're making a very good case for this, you're you're you are you are successfully making me question myself. <laughs> so I'm just trying to think, you know, I can see how he would have gotten in. One, the big sticking point for me was the National Park Rangers saying stuff along the lines of like, like in the letter, uh, Chuck Sr. says Rangers remain puzzled as to how he had gotten there without equipment for travel in the snow. Um, and then there was another one. Where is it? Let me see if I can find the, the exact quote. Of course I can't. Why would why would ever, anything ever go as I had hoped it would? Um, yeah, I know the Rangers never really considered it, it a possibility. Yeah, yeah. it was the prior to the discovery of his remains, Crater Lake Park Rangers more than once expressed the opinion that without skis or snowshoes, truck would not have been able to travel in the park more than a mile to. Um, so basically, they if I remember correctly, the Rangers basically went, we didn't search that area because we didn't think he could get there. Yeah. Like there just was in their minds, it was inconceivable that somebody could do that. Um, of course, Chuck being an especially light individual, I would make it more feasible for him to do that. My big question, the question that I always end up asking with these cases where there are sort of these two possibilities of like, was this, was this an accident? Was this foul play is, you know, why, what was the motive? Um, why did he go off trail? Uh, so That's, I guess you've been to the area. Obviously, you weren't there in the snow, but what is there anything that stuck out to you that was like, ah, oh, this looks like maybe it's a trail. This looks like an interesting path. Maybe there's something scenic he would have been going for. We know he's trying to take pictures. Well, this is what this is the sticking point for my own theory mm -hmm. is the why. Why it, say he could do this? Why would he want to go to this spot in yeah. this area? And I don't have like a great answer for that because of being there, I, I hate the place already. I don't want to go back. I think <laughs> that is the worst place ever. <laughs> but, you know, I, I talked to the Rangers who worked there before I went to that spot just to let them know I was attempting that trek so that if I, you know, got Charles McCullard, they can look for me. Mm -hmm. And they told me that that was their favorite spot in the park. And I, at the time I was like, oh, really cool. It sounds awesome. And I don't know if they were like pranking me because. It, well, I will so tell you bad. when I when I became a Freemason right before my initiation for my entered apprentice degree, uh, one of my buddies, the guy who had told me I should become a Freemason, I remember him telling me, "I don't know if you'll be able to handle the goat." And then he proceeded oh, to not gosh. explain what he meant by that. Yeah, there was no goat. Yeah, he just thought it would be funny, so that's I would a, not be shocked at all. You if your friends were like, oh, yeah, it's a great area. I love that. I take the kids and then it's the hardest hike you've ever done. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I don't know if those rangers were being. Hopefully they weren't messing with me and like playing with my life a little bit. But you never know. Um, I doubt I, they'd have sent you to your death. Right. <laughs> but uh, I, it, when I think of like when I was up on Rim Drive, when I was there, which Rim Drive is the road that goes all the way around the lake. I was on the west end of Rim Drive and I was mm -hmm. looking down towards Bybee Creek and you can almost see it from Rim Drive because it's a slope that just kind of goes down into yeah. the, and then 
goes down as the creek. And I was thinking, gosh, if I just started walking from right here, I could easily probably walk to Bybee Creek. Uh, and it would have been, e and I, cause I was sitting there after I did my hike and I was driving around and I was like, wow, I should have tried that direction instead. Right. And I don't know if he was on rim drive somewhere and just des decided to, cause they said he wanted to take pictures of the lake and surrounding areas. It's one of those questions I can't answer is like, why he, why would he want to go take pictures down there? I don't know if he just. It's not, like, off trail. It, it's not your your normal lake where everything around it's a little higher it's it's a volcano <laughs> right so the lake is higher than the yep. yeah so, so it's just, not like going a, down there he was going to get better views of the lake right and i don't know if he I, you know if i was there in winter i don't know maybe I, I it would be easier to see something of interest but i mean mainly the thing of interest is mm -hmm. the lake and not the surrounding territories so I don't know if Charles is just a weird dude who decided to walk out in the middle of nowhere, but if there is one flaw in my theory, that would be it is the, yeah. why would he go there? And, um, and you know, while I acknowledge that when I think about the possibility of foul play in this case, and um, it's harder for me to get to foul play still, because a lot of things have to fall into place for a killer to be after him and I for guess, the killer to even want to drop him in this spot yeah so what's i guess what are your hang-ups with the foul play angle assuming that it's not just that you think the other one is more possible um okay yeah the foul play mainly they found a lot of his clothing they didn't find all of it like the shoes and stuff but none of his clothing had any blood stains or anything on it and mm -hmm. while it is possible that a killer could have given charles a bloodless death i don't know if they like strangled him or something right. but because the remains weren't in condition to see any soft tissue injuries. Right. And, but then again, it, it makes me like, where would they be in a position to do that? You know, if they came up in, on him while he was sleeping in camp somewhere, what, there's some guy wandering around in the woods in the snow and he just walks up on a dude and starts strangling him. Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and, I, don't, I don't like the the explanation that he died there. Definitely don't like that. I, I think if he died... It was either somebody picked him up as a hitchhiker and killed him and brought him into the park to dump his body. We know that serial killers back in the 70s, 60s, 70s, 80s were all over national parks. That was their favorite place to be. Um, I don't mean that they were everywhere, just like there were... That was typically a place they liked to stalk because it's just so remote. Sure. Um, it's also on federal land, so the whole business of investigation gets weird. I So I my thinking is either, you know, maybe he was on the trail and there was somebody who was taking it out for serial killing, but at the same time, it's the middle of winter. Right. It's not the busy season, which on the one hand, not yeah. the busy season is when a serial killer would want to do something like that. But on the other hand, you, you got to assume that your victims will be there. Uh, right. So, and you know, if, and the serial killer, you know, but if they were, and obviously this did happen. I mean, you look at Gary Ridgeway just up in like Washington and Oregon, even he picked up, hitchhikers and killed almost like a hundred of them they mm -hmm. believe um but also a lot of the time serial killers they go for young women yeah uh, that's their that's mainly the type of and you, i think of charles you know even if with his winter gear on this guy's a six foot three guy yeah. who probably looked bigger than he was and for a serial killer that's not something you usually want to mess with yeah. you know you don't want to you don't want to have to really fight or worry about having to fight i would think you know, and and it's, and just, you know, the stature of Charles and it being in the winter, you know, if you're going around looking for your prey or whatever, 
I mean, you got to be really hoping for it if you're hoping for a hitchhiker in winter. Yeah. Um, Which makes it, but, it would have to be crime of opera, almost have to be crime of opportunity. I, I would think so. Yeah. yeah. The, on, the only other thing I can think of is that he stumbled across a, an illegal grow somewhere. And, but would they be in operation in the winter? Well, that's you know? the thing is maybe they wouldn't be in operation, but you could be in a situation where it was people who were living there maybe checking up there's t i will agree there's too many coincidences that have to happen for it to be like a super likely explanation but that's the thing with these cases is like all of the simple explanations have been ruled out we got to look at the weird stuff which i i think you've made a good case for him falling into the river or the creek i think that you know first of all how how much steeper it is than i thought it was is important um that was something i missed uh the other one is is the snow being the snow the melt that you mentioned because that that one did not occur to me that it might have been that the snow melted and refroze and therefore was harder more solid he was able to walk on it um you know i think i'm still not sold on it being an accident but i definitely have more questions for my own conclusions um that's you know, where I was trying to get. Yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> I I think in your video, I think you said nobody that had two brain cells would think this was an accident. So if I've, <laughs> if I've got you, if I've got you to switch up, yeah, on that you, you got bit, me. I'm, I'm thinking you could have some, somebody, somebody with cells. three might pull it off. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, huh? It, you know, and again, with the, the killer thing, it would have to be a killer who had a kind of like a snowmobile at the ready, I feel like. Yeah. You know? That is because the other... thing. They must have had it at, in the back or something, you know, ready to go. And, and you know, like, like you said, it takes a lot of coincidences to get there. Is it possible? Sure. People win the lottery, you know. But, oof, it's hard for me to get on board with that. And, and of a lot of places you could dump a body with a snowmobile, uh, that's a tough one to get to. It's a tough one to get to no matter what. Uh, Unless it was one of the Rangers. That's an interesting thought. I, that's that's <laughs> like the only thing that comes to mind is, I mean, if there was one way to ensure nobody ever figured out what happened here, it would be if one of the Rangers did it. But again, I, I think that the, if you, I will say this much, if you can provide me with an explanation of why he went down there. I am fully on your right. side. That is the sticking point for me too right now. Is <laughs> is I'm like eh, it, it makes it, I understand that exactly. The why? Um, why would you want to go down there? I mean, and well, one thing that occurred to me about the why too is that maybe he didn't go down there, and that for a while there I was playing around with this theory that maybe he died further up by or mm -hmm. further yeah further up by B Creek. And more on the walls of the of the caldera mm -hmm. that is Crater Lake, and then over two seasons, his body and stuff got washed down because yeah. the snow melts and it makes a lot of uh, water. And that's, you know, ten feet of snow melting, it can it can wash all kinds of stuff down. And so, having that over two seasons, yeah, it, it shocks me that his body would stay in the same place because though that river comes up quite a bit um every year when the snows melt and you know, and one other thing that you know could be supporting a foul play angle is obviously the missing camera and stuff right. but and that the missing also wash. traveler's yeah. checks but that could wash as well, well that's... And the traveler's checks were never cashed or anything yeah i mean 
what I'm thinking here, so first of all, does this is one thing I, I didn't even think to check out while I was doing it myself. This was, again, you know, forgive me, this was a year ago when I wasn't quite as quite as experienced with this. Um, no worries. But Bybee Creek, does it flow away from the lake or towards the lake? Away from the lake. Flows away from the lake. All right, got it. So yeah. that's definitely, definitely important to consider then. I'm glad, glad you mentioned that part. Um, yeah, so I mean, he the thing is, if the camera, to... if he died closer to the lake and he was kind of washed down, the camera probably wouldn't have floated. It probably right. would have sunk straight to the bottom, hence why nobody right. found the camera. Um, and it and means that he didn't necessarily up. have to be quite so far. Right. Off of off of the trail, you know, uh, I'm just I want to really quickly. But then I get to the point where I'm going, well, if that was the case, is there a spot along this area that he could have fallen and broken his leg and then froze to death from hypothermia? Because obviously the steepness of the area isn't as severe mm -hmm. higher up on the, the caldera there. I would be curious what that area looks like with right. eight to 10 feet of snow. Like if the trails are depressed, as opposed to the, the standard, I just have it up on screen right now so people can see, but if the trails are depressed, then it would be easy to end up heading down towards Bybee Creek because the trail does turn off just west of Wizard Island. Um, there, there is a trail turn off that can take you down down that way i'll see if i can uh pull it up on all trails really quick i don't know if it would have been there in um right the trail looked different yeah the trail did look different in 70 and 75 right and in fact it ran it was called the oregon skyline trail and a part of it ran right along the north ridge of bybee creek so it was way it used to be way closer to the area where they found his body right ah here we go what, what did you say it was called? It was called the Oregon Skyline Trail. Gotcha. And then, and then that eventually just turned into part of the PCT. Yeah, so there are... Well, they made some adjustments to it as well. Interesting. Okay, so... Now, at least, basically right in that spot, um, there is something called the Lightning Spring Trail, which basically takes itself straight down to Bybee Creek. Um, so I'm I wonder if that was there in some capacity. I want to see if it uh, if all trails will give me inf any information on when it um, when it came up, like when that trail was uh, officially added. Right. But I'm not seeing anything. Um, yeah, it's hard to find these things. And then also when you go there you find out that they don't even exist sometimes. Yeah, that it's uh, like a, a bushwhack or something where it's not quite yeah, as... <laughs> well, the initial road I was planning to take um, inland into Crater Lake, uh -huh. uh, I'm glad I, I didn't take it because the rangers told me not to. And I crossed it when I actually was walking in there and I mm -hmm. found out why, because it doesn't exist. It's on it's on Google Maps, but the road is completely overgrown <laughs> Wait, with trees. I I'm curious, what's it uh, what's it called? It's like, uh, let's see. I took road 6260. Okay. And it's road 400 right above that one. 
that goes along Deer Creek. That thing doesn't exist. Me. Deer. Pull up Deer Creek. At least, at Oregon. least a good portion of it doesn't. That's got to be the wrong Deer Creek. Uh, there's Roseburg. Deer Creek is like right below Bybee. Gotcha. Yeah, of course it never actually gives me what I want to see. Uh, okay, so again, go down towards these creeks. There's Bybee. There's Deer. Oh yeah, there's Road 400. Running along Deer yeah. Creek, and you're telling me it's just not there? Yeah, that was the one I said I was going down. And then they were like, no, no, don't do that. Oh, go down yeah. 6260. On, even on Google Maps, it's like... Is it? I didn't. It's, I should have done that. Maybe. It's a it's a dirt road, just surrounded by trees. I can see why they would say don't do that. Um, yeah, there's just a ton of young trees coming up, and yeah, there would be no way for a car to get down it. Yeah, it's it, like whoever. It's not maintained at all. Let's see, is there even a Google? No, there's not a street view for it. Um, yeah, it's, oh, that would be hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. It looks like it splits off of a paved. No, nah, it splits off of a gravel road, and yeah, it's just basically a dirt road. Yeah, all those roads, of trees. all those roads back there were uh, kind of rough dirt forest roads that didn't look like they see a lot of travel. Yeah, I'm um, um, I'm guessing that those are like access roads that are not. Yeah, maintained. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, they yeah, told yeah, me it's... that 6260 is the only one that they regularly maintain. So that's the one I went down. Yeah, yeah. Google being uh, being a little bit tricky with us here. Uh, I mean, so, I mean, if there was anything like that Lightning Spring Trail there, it's very feasible then that he would have maybe tried to follow it down, thinking that it was going to take him somewhere interesting, falling in, yeah. and he could have gotten washed down. Yeah, I mean... Well, you know, my, you know, when I keep thinking about it, you know, I, I, I leave it open that he could have taken the north and could have taken the south, maybe if he was somehow able to hitchhike it. Uh, if he, if he did take the south, his trip would have been a lot easier overall because the highway that goes from the west and then from west to south, that highway is uh, completely snow plowed in the winter. And he would have had a lot less to travel if he did that. And if, McCuller Sr. is at all on point with mm -hmm. his idea that Charles tried to get in on the 30th through the north and turn back. I got to think he must have tried to do something different. Yeah. And because he must have felt pretty pressured because if he wasn't in the park by the 31st already and he's supposed to be back by the February 1st, he didn't have much time to get in and get out. And so I got to think he mixed it up somehow or figured out a way to get in or did something. Unless, of course, someone killed him. But yeah, you know, which um, I'll admit right now, I think yours yours feels more likely, especially if that road was paved. I have no problem with him taking the road and then going off trail accidentally, or even trying to, you know, if he was on the trail, which still seems like a lot, especially if the road is right there. I would assume he took he walked the road. Um, if he was on the trail, though. You know, I wonder if maybe he did like come to a spot over a creek. I, I just I want to take one more look at it because it's then we can go to questions. But I, I just want to take one more look at the topography of the area. Um. Okay. So there's where Bybee flows up. There is a trail that leads down off of it, and if we put pull up all trails. 
Yeah, I mean... You basically can come right off the, the, PCA, the PCT. Um, and you know, if he would have died in almost any other spot in the park, other than kind of at the bottom of like a really steep canyon, I right. would probably be all on board with foul play. Because you can, you could take a body and just dump it anywhere in the woods. You don't have to throw it down a canyon. Yeah, no, you necessarily. don't. And, and the fact that, you know, that that interview with Marion Jack said he had that broken lower leg bone. That's like, oof. Could you throw a body and then it breaks the leg, even though it's mm -hmm. all limp? Maybe. But yeah, usually I, you're more no. likely to break something, you know, when you're trying to brace yourself. Yeah, but I'm, I, based on the number of these things that I've come across, it seems very possible to me. I will say, um, I mean, J Jim McGrogan had a whole bunch of broken bones. He didn't break his legs or his arms, uh, but he had like crushed chest and his, his skull. That was, was that guy in, in like Vail, Colorado? That was Vail, right? yeah. The one who, uh, in my opinion, it looks like uh, it, it's a, that's a weird one because it's like, well, the most plausible way that he gets where he is is that he makes a wrong turn going up instead of taking the Iceman Hut Trail he takes the Bald Mountain Bushwhack uh, which is not nearly as well maintained as the Iceman Hut Trail but in that case he would have to take the Bald Mountain Bushwhack up that would take him to the peak of Bald Mountain at which point he could have fallen off of Bald Mountain and ended up in Boots Creek which is where he was found uh, the problems with that are more timing related uh, where basically they had already been hiking for um hour two hours uh the turnoff was only a mile in these are guys who are in good shape they shouldn't be stopping for a break only a mile in you would assume that they've gotten a couple of miles um but again that's that's a different we i'm happy to talk about that one if you ever take a look at it uh that that's another that's one of those ones where i started out much more on the like this has no good explanation and then kind of got to like if somebody misreported something this is very easily solvable uh, yeah. But yeah, with McCuller, I mean, I think you make a really compelling case. I I am leaning personally more towards accident at this point. Um, but I'm definitely going to go back and look at it and, and see oh, if yeah. I can like... Because if I go back and I look at it and I find out there were several other uh, you know young men who died in the general area, maybe in a different season, then I'm going to then I'm going to have questions for you. <laughs> well well speaking of that there is one other case but it i feel like it almost just helps my argument there's this other guy that's another missing 411 case crater lake which one are guy, you thinking of but bb bukowski Ooh, I don't think older case okay it's an older case happened prior to mcculler i think it, i could be wrong in the 30s maybe is when it happened i hate but this guy because it's uh, you think it's hard to find information on something that happened 10 oh, years ago right yeah, the, the but Alfred on, Beelhart's one he talks about. I can't find anything. <laughs> the one where a kid supposedly gets yanked back yeah. from a ledge that no one can ever remember. <laughs> I don't I couldn't ever find anything about that one either. Um, but B.B. Bukowski, he was a photographer as well. Mm -hmm. He was in Crater Lake in the winter trying to take photographs of the, you know, the beauty in winter or whatever. And he was living in winterized crater lake in the 30s he dug a huge like snow cave mm -hmm. and was living in a snow cave uh in crater lake he disappeared no one found him but they eventually i think they find like some of his equipment at the bottom of the caldera towards mm -hmm. the towards the lake 
yeah and which is a steep steep drop and that's all we know never found his body but it looks like you could fall in the winter being too close to the edge yeah and if i had to guess that's what happened to him too is right. that the snow piles up and then you get a little too close to the edge so and much so that the edge isn't you. really there and it just falls out and that's what i think happened to bb bukowski and that's a missing 411 case how do you uh how do you spell his name uh it's just bb is just like his first initials for whatever okay. they stand for so capital two capital b's bukowski i think is b a k o w s k i uh there's his photographic society page cold cases yeah uh, no it's not coming up on the cold cases page but here yeah uh shrouded in mystery is the fate of bb bukowski a photographer who sought to record the pristine beauty of the crater lake national park with its snow mantle in 1911 man that's wild i'll have to look into that one even more um yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, it's funny because it's a little bit like history repeating itself. Yeah, but um, but then again, it could just mean Crater Lake is really dangerous in winter. You know, dude took uh, took some pretty pictures. I'm gonna show people really quick. Yeah, yeah, he took great pictures of the park, and this was 1911 that yeah. he died. So quite a while before Charles, and uh, but I think he probably died in a similar fashion. It would make sense. But but his. His makes more sense because he was on the edge of the caldera taking pictures of the lake in winter. That's what everyone's trying to take pictures of. That is dangerous. Yeah. We don't know why Charles would go outside of that area and go down the slopes into the Bybee Creek area. He also should have known better. That's the other thing that that bugged me about this one is like of of a lot of we've looked at a lot of these cases where it's like, ah, this was a a person who had no business being where they were. And then you ever, yeah. every once in a while, like Jim McGrogan, like he should not have been he, the one thing he should not have done was separate from his friends. And he did. Uh, but like you look at like Bart Schleyer, I don't know if you looked at that one, but that's uh, familiar with it. up in the Yukon. The guy is a grizzly bear tracker. He, he, he tranquilizes grizzly bears and then puts collars on them. And his his puzzles me because I'm like, how did this guy? This guy of all people, how did this happen to him? This seems like one of those cases, maybe not quite as aggressive as as Bart's because he was in his late 40s, early 50s. But Chuck's got like, I mean, you look at Chuck Sr. Somebody did some digging on him for me and came up with he was like definitely special forces. Um, The guy, the guy was just knew way too much, Uh, probably pre Green Beret, but definitely like whatever was right before the Green Berets. That was probably him. Um, Yeah. He had taught Chuck everything. The, the kid knew everything he could possibly need to know. Um, it, so it's it just, it, it bugs me that he would do something so stupid. But at the same time, he it was overconfidence, 19. man. You know, I don't know. <laughs> like, you know, I think, I, I do I think wonder... hubris is a big killer of people. You know, they think they can do things that they shouldn't. Yeah, you know, I... and, and it's dangerous, you know, Crater Lake in winter with you that much snow on the ground. Yeah, it's uh, I, I think if he, if it was foul play, then I think that you there would be two things that would crop up. Either there there would be a cluster of cases that tie back to that resort, Diamond Lake, or there would be a cluster of cases along, uh, just that route. 
coming through one mm. of the routes coming through or around the park so if those are there then i'll i'm gonna look into it and see you know if there's something there i'll definitely revisit that i uh, otherwise you know i think i i may just add something to the description and be like by the way guys go watch this one because <laughs> he, he found stuff i didn't um well you know i yeah there was I can send you those if you want. I would love I to read through them if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. And and I also, you know, I found two of the only pictures that seem to exist from the Discovery too. Mm -hmm. They don't really show much. They kind yeah. of show what the area looks like a little mm -hmm. bit. You don't get to see anything of what they found. Um and but yeah, so there is some new information and uh, you know, reading finally we got the, you know, at least what seems like one good report from someone who was there on the ground um, when it happened, instead of relying on just politis interview with a, a ranger that kind of exaggerates a little bit, or, or yeah, I don't know, but yeah, I he think, definitely didn't melt into the ground. No, I I will say I think him being the victim of a uh, somebody killing hitchhikers or one of the rangers is a lot. It's a lot cooler story. I, yeah. I think I think yours has more compelling evidence to it. Um, and you know, and that to say too that the authorities were really negligent oh, in this case, horribly. Still. And and I think the big issue was is that when it happened initially, they just thought this was some nineteen-year-old kid who was just doing his thing and didn't want to report back to anyone. Mm -hmm. He was just, and so they didn't really care. They were like, "Oh, he'll pop up," you know. They, we don't they really figured he was a hippie. Yeah. <laughs> And I, and and they didn't really start caring until Mr. McCuller started writing letters. Yeah, it really seems that's the part that I will say. You know, the title of the title of the video we did, I think, is still something along the lines of like the FBI wouldn't investigate his case, which is true. I will probably leave that as the title. Um, regardless of what actually happened to him, whether it was foul play or an accident, whatever. I think that the one the one glaring issue with this and something that is still a problem today is the way the case was handled when it was first brought to the authorities' attention. Um, I mean, even as late as 2009, uh, you see that there have to be laws made to get people to go after, to, to actually follow up on missing persons reports. Uh, we recently yeah. covered Dakota James, who was a kid who went missing in uh, 2017. It's weird saying kid, because he was older than me at the time. Case? Yeah. Uh, which oh, we're okay. we're doing a whole we're doing a whole series on on that whole thing and it, with each and every one I am less and less convinced that there is a a connection across the country, but I right. am I am becoming more convinced that maybe there's more serial killers than we're being told about. Uh, <laughs> I could buy that. I could buy that more than an organization yeah. of serial killers. Yeah, I because think some of those cases do reek of foul play. Oh yeah, uh, the Lacrosse, Wisconsin ones. I don't know if you've looked into them. We we did a video on it recently, but it's like. Five of the ten that were identified as potential smiley face killers victims, I uh, only five. I only think five of the ten even qualify. But all of them, every single one, the body was either found in the water directly adjacent to Riverside Park in La Crosse, Wisconsin, or within a couple miles downstream of Riverside Park. And hmm. like every single person in that list of five was on the same street at the same strip of bars. Some of them went to the same bars. I uh, obviously these are spaced out over ten years, but every single time they were at one of these bars on this one road. I, uh, right. it's just one of those things that you're like, huh? 
hell of a coincidence right? that's weird um, is that you know for me I'm, i my my angle is like maybe this was a, a female lore and a male killer i uh, because it even with them being as drunk as they were it's still like could could a woman could a woman take down a dude who's six two probably not um yeah. but yeah so well, not to get too off topic but yeah the, you, the guy, well, Steve Gannon, I think, might have been his Kevin name. Gannon and Anthony the book, Duarte uh, are the, the two oh, main They wrote ones. the Drowning Forensics, right? Mm-hmm. That that was a really good book. I got to read those it, guys yeah. are like Those guys are like whip smart. But oh, then I they, think they're completely they bring legit. Out, but then they bring out the smiley face killer theory that it's an organization and you lose me a little bit with that's, that. That's where I'm lost to. Um, and and as I was watching the show, there were definitely a few points where I was, I was like, the average person definitely wouldn't catch weird things in the tv show there's only six episodes uh but when you've been doing this for a little while you're like okay why'd you leave that detail out like you definitely (laughs) know what happened you definitely know something you're not telling me which drives me insane um but what i was gonna say is the dakota james one um this is 2017 this is this is six years ago yikes uh this is six years ago he was reported missing I think it was Saturday morning, Friday night, Saturday morning. The police told his parents they had to wait 24 hours to file a missing persons report. They didn't. Not, I, I know for sure Minnesota, but I also looked it up in Pennsylvania because um, I'm, I'm Pennsylvanian. Uh, you don't have to wait. There's no mm. law. There's no. There's not even policy. It's just the police look at it and they go, every single time this happens, he's just drunk on a bench. And we've wasted resources for nothing. The problem right. is, once you get to that point of being like, ah, well, he's just drunk. You know, he's on a bench somewhere. Is Every once in a while, they're not just drunk on a bench somewhere. Uh, so, you know, I think that's the one big thing that I hope comes of of the interest in Missing 411, Smiley Face Killers, all of that stuff, is I hope that people do hold police more accountable, uh, hold people's feet to the fire in situations like this, because, you know, the way I'm seeing it, with cases like Lacrosse, Wisconsin, with uh, Pittsburgh, I'm sure when I look at Tommy Booth uh, in a couple of weeks, he's Philadelphia. I'm sure I'm going to find a whole bunch that are just like him. Um, I think that there's definitely kind of a culture of the police know what's best. They've done their best. We need to trust them. Uh, that needs to be challenged because a lot of these guys, you know, they're, they're not law and order SVU. They're not criminal minds. A lot of these guys are small town cops who they're not even bad people. They're just completely overwhelmed and there's yeah. nothing they can do. And what ends up happening is they go, all right, well, we're shutting it down. You know, we'll, we'll handle it internally. It gets filed on a shelf somewhere and nobody ever looks at it again until someone makes a stink because a very similar thing happened or something like that. Um, but, you know, I, 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 you, you have me on, on Charles McCuller. I am, I am on your side now. I, I will officially say I'm on your side. I, I am a man with two brain cells. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah. No. Together we no. have four. <laughs> Hell yeah. No. Well, and well, I I appreciate that because I didn't know when we did this if I was going to be more on the side of foul play or what. Mm-hmm. But what is important about these things is actually talking about them with other people who know the case really well because it furthers the understanding of the case mm-hmm. and it helps flesh out my ideas. Cause I need to be able to justify, you know, I can't yeah. justify why he would go there and I need to figure that out or, or someone does. Someone has that now to further the case if they yeah. wanted to look into it. I, I mean, and, I'm, I'm going to send an email 
I mean, if you've talked to the guys, they might be more familiar with you, but I'm going to send an email to the Crater Lake Ranger Station and be like, hey, can you, can you, do you have any pictures of this spot in late January or any heavy snowfall? Like, can you show me what this trail looks now. like? Um, cause I'm curious, you know, if it, if it turns out that you look at it and it's like, oh, that looks like a trail and then it's just right. not, um, you know, he could have mistaken, theoretically, he could have mistaken the Creek for a trail. <laughs> Which you could easily do because they look kind of similar if it's a divot, mm -hmm. you know, cause that's what lots of streams and rivers look like when they're heavily snowed over, just kind of a little, little divot in the, in the landscape. My buddy has uh has some land down in Virginia that has a dry creek on it. I might um I doubt he well actually he's employed by me, so you know he probably would do it if I asked him. But uh <laughs> I might see if uh since there's snow on the ground here right now, I might ask him, you know, if he can go and take some pictures of that creek cuz it's not nearly as deep. We're talking its deepest is probably 10 feet. Um but I am curious, you know, looking at it if if there would be if you could kind of imagine like all right what does this look like with eight to ten feet of snow on top of it compared yeah. to a trail which i would be willing to bet is is comparable especially where it's at its shallowest up at the top because yeah. i was looking at it on the topography it looks like it up up top it starts as just kind of a little creek and then it becomes a canyon later but do you uh that said do you mind if we go to super chats take questions oh, let's do it sure let's do it all right um let me Grab this, pull it over here. Studio. It's usually what I have Aiden for. Okay, we're going to go to content. No, not content. Yes, content. No, not content. It's, it's this one. There we go. Perfect. Viewer activity. Here we go. Um. All right, so <laughs> the very first one <laughs> is uh, two dollars from Miss Mori for not forgetting that you were coming on tonight, <laughs> <laughs> which I am never gonna well live done. down. Um, I guess. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Good memory. Right yeah, there. that yeah, was. Man. I was hoping we'd forgotten about that. Uh, yeah. Hi, buddy. Um, Phantom Maniacs for 10 said, I've been rereading the Lord of the Rings. I'm wondering, Tolkien Lord of the Rings video when? Like the stories that inspired or just the lore of Middle Earth? Ooh. Uh, so I will say the, the Harry Potter one we just did um, tanked pretty hard. So I'm hesitant to do another, uh, you know, folklore of movies episode. Uh, also, sorry, he insisted on being allowed up. Uh, that said, I love Tolkien and... I would love to do a video, but we might just have to wait until we're like Wendigoon size if we ever get there so that we can make videos and people just watch them. Uh, <laughs> because right where we are right now, if a video tanks, it's like we don't eat for a week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Are you full time? Uh, as YouTube? much as I can, but I, I always make sure I got something else because it takes sometimes it's like a month before I mm -hmm. release a video because I'm like ocd about trying to get things like to where i want them to be or exactly have things fleshed out as much as i want them to and you yeah. know i got multiple at i got two videos just sitting on patreon right now i'm kind of being held up by sponsorship contracts and all isn't that, that so fun fun stuff i hate it uh, but yeah no you know i know how you feel yeah um you'll get there <laughs> you will get there <laughs> it at, at the rate you're going you will get there uh, <laughs> Let's see. Uh, 
Elena de Howler, Werewolf Queen, for five, said, I'd love to see you two go out to the location and try again, though with any and all possible safety precautions taken. I would love to. Um, that is, like, yeah. the next step for me, at least, is I want to be able to go to these spots. Um, Crater if, Lake is amazing. It's beautiful. It's yeah. one of the most beautiful, like, you know, single, just looking out of your eyes, just a beautiful panoramic view yeah. of that lake. You know, when you go off trail in the middle of nowhere in the summer, though, it uh, gets significantly less fun. But if we actually accomplished the goal, it it, it would make it worth it. Oh, way. yeah. If we actually got out there. Um, yeah. I mean, if we if we ever have the opportunity to do it, I will certainly let you know. And you are welcome to yeah. come along. Yeah, if you're ever in the Pacific Northwest anywhere, you know. I plan to be. Yeah. It's beautiful out there. Just yeah. a little rainy. <laughs> uh, very rainy. Uh, let's see. Um, Barry Niswander said, uh, is that real world, real wood paneling and a real flannel shirt behind you? Of course it is. I'm in my sauna. No, I'm just saying. This is just my cabin walls. It's real wood. That's nice. This flannel's is, real wood, too. It's oh. real wood. This is, this is, this is vinyl. Uh, yeah. Uh, I hope one day. I don't day, have the budget for a background. Yeah, if, if you, this is literally just, you would be amazed at how horrible this looks off camera. Um, it, like, Kat, Aiden's girlfriend, did a great job making it camera worthy, but we could definitely have added a little bit more to it. Uh, you know, if you've seen our, our recorded videos, that backdrop is real wood, um, but it's just a, a backdrop. <laughs> I would turn yeah, the camera around good. and show people, but it's a mess in here. I yeah. see. Uh, Lost Barai said for $5, I think Jim McGrogan no clipped into the back rooms, wandered around, lost for a bit, then no clipped back out and fell from the sky to his death. Not the most absurd version of events that I've heard regarding a missing 401 case. People have said much crazier things. Um, I, I love that we're, we've gone off. We, we've now moved away from Bigfoot and onto UFOs. Yeah, you got to. Like, that, that one felt a little grifter, a little grifty to me. Um, going <laughs> going from, from, U, from Bigfoot to UFO. I was like, all right, is Bigfoot right. an alien? Like, how are we tying this together? That's the um, next one. Alien Bigfoot. I've heard Bigfoot's a Nephilim. That's that's come up. I've um, heard that recently too. Yeah. Nephilim are like making the rounds again, man. It's right. Nobody the wants to actually read about them. Right. Everybody just wants to recite what they heard on TikTok, which I will admit <laughs> is partially my fault. Uh, <laughs> the Bible doesn't say that they were big, hairy, ape-like creatures. No, that? the Bible that's... doesn't say much about them at all. It's really Enoch that that gets things going. Oh, which the book is, of Enoch. That's yeah. Right. Which that's we right. you know the. That's definitely scripture. <laughs> it's from the intertestamental period. It's there. It's valuable, but it's not like it's not canon. Yeah, basically, the Ethiopians consider it canon, um, but everybody right. else is like, ah, this is probably philosophical more than anything. Um, let's see. Uh, Barry Niswander said, "Clear case of a guy lost in the woods, snowshoes, etc." I, I will admit, it seems more like that now. Um, I. Uh, and then he said, uh, snow slash improvised shoes means he can get lost easier. Yes. The, the one thing I would want to find is the snowshoes. Like if they find snow, if they were to find his snowshoes, I'll be like, okay, yep. Case closed. <laughs> well, what I was thinking, you know, if he had them on whatever they were, you know, I mean, even if he fashioned them and he fell, mm -hmm. he might've taken them off. Cause it's really uncomfortable to have snowshoes on when you're on your back. Yeah. You know, that's and assuming they might've still the been fall, attached. Though. Right. Right. And it, but you know, they might have still been attached to the boots wherever those went. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. 
I mean, if, that's the thing is if he did, if, if you're right and he did just fall into the creek and wash down the river further, hence how he ended up a mile away. Um, I, I mean, two years of being washed down a creek, you might lose your boots. Yeah. It's feasible. Also, if he did fall very far, people losing their boots while falling down mountains is not unheard of at all, especially when they're attached to something else. Um, that's true. So I could totally see that. Uh, see uh miss maury said i had a lot of follow-up questions after watching your two-part video this live stream is everything i had hoped for thanks to both of you glad to be able to help thank you glad to be able to fill in any uh any any gaps by by interviewing you directly um and then we had uh several gifted memberships from pablo raul Pereira, Pereira, i think Pereira. i'm trying my best uh it's p-e-r-e-y-r-a um so we got, oh. yeah, he gifted, it looks like, three memberships. That's awesome. Thank you. That is very kind. Those of you who have uh, memberships now, that means you get a free Super Chat every month, um, as well as priority uh, responses to comments, because I can go through and I can select by membership. Um, so if you comment something with a membership, you are much more likely to be answered. Um, we used to answer every comment, but that was two years and... 374,000 less subs. Uh, let's see. Hammond said uh, they never had the makings of a varsity athlete, which feels like it's a reference to something. Hmm. But I'm not sure. Uh, let's see. Barry, Barry Niswander gifted a membership. Uh, Mana Ash just gave us $3 and a nice little thumbs up sticker. Thank you very much. Barry actually gifted several. So did Shadow91869 uh, Night Crew. Thank you very much. Uh, Ryan Whitcup, who is one of our like most consistent viewers. Thank you, man. Uh, he says, how can I read slash understand slash interpret the Bible more? Um, oh boy. Uh, my, my suggestion with that one is obviously reading. It's great. Uh, get a study Bible that has notations in it. Don't take them at face value. Just consider them. Um, cause every single study Bible is going to have different notes on the same verse. Uh, but you know, read it, consider it, study it. Get yourself an interlinear Bible. Uh, that's Greek, Hebrew, and English. That way you can read in context, word for word, what everything is translated as. Uh, definitely have multiple translations. KJV, ASV. Uh, I hate the NIV. Screw that. Um, yeah, but and then aside from that, uh, reading the works of the early church fathers like Tertullian, Cyprian, um, uh, Augustine, all those guys, that really helps. Uh, that was huge for me in college. And then, of course, you know, watch... If you got the time, watch, uh, you know, obviously I think Isaiah and I do a solid job, but uh, with the Weird Bible podcast, but uh, Michael Heiser is far and away my favorite biblical scholar. He's a great one to watch. Uh, he's unfortunately passed away, but his YouTube channel still has stuff on it. Uh, and they're, they're releasing more like unreleased stuff all the time. So I don't know if you're a Bible guy and you have an answer for that, but if you do, feel free to add. Uh, no, I got nothing. I'm sorry. Okay. All good. <laughs> uh, oh, boy. Party like 1776 for five said, what I want to know is why would he go there in the first place without snowshoes or skis when he would have known how deep the snow would have been? What are your thoughts? Well, that's a good question. Uh, it depends. Maybe he thought it was, it would be plowed more because there are certain areas of that park that do get plowed during the winter. And mm -hmm. I don't know if he thought the North entrance was going to be the same and would be open. Uh, but Mr. McCuller, McCuller senior seemed to think that, his son thought he could get in the north entrance and turn back. And so obviously he thought that there was 
gonna it's gonna it was gonna be easier than it really was. And you know, if you people go in the south entrance and and do some walking around, they did a study on like people who enter the park in the winter, like the year after Charles disappeared, and it showed who enters the park in the winter and why. And people go snowshoeing there and they do all kinds of things there, snowmobiling, cross-country skiing and stuff. Most of them all go in the south entrance. The north is usually all snowmobiling. So it's, it seems clear he didn't have all of his facts if he didn't know that the north entrance would be closed to mm-hmm. anyone who didn't have a snowmobile, really. Uh, so Overconfident and underprepared. Exactly. Which is the downside of teaching your kids everything you know about survival from the military because they're probably not going to have the experience to know when the answer should be no yeah i mean i even in boy scouts i i I had situations where i like should have been prepared for things that were happening and almost froze to death uh so yeah you know it's it's a lot easier to get yourself killed than you might think um (laughs) true Okay, uh, Barry Niswander said, uh, is that real wood paneling behind Enigma? What's the history of his domicile? I live on a cabin in an island, or on an island, uh, on a uh, on a small piece of uh, farmland with an orchard. Uh, that is, like, uh, idyllic. A, I am so jealous of you. It's a very quaint place out in the middle of, uh, you know, I, I got a lot of, it's a small, small cabin, but it's a good piece of land. Yeah. So. Oh, I would, I would kill. Land out here is, it's upsettingly expensive. Oh yeah, <laughs> like the cheapest. We there, there was a spot up up in the Poconos that I saw that was I, uh, I don't even want to say where it was because I don't want people buying it before I have a chance to. Uh, but it go. was like, <laughs> it was like twenty grand, mm. and that was for an acre. Which I'm like, that's. A lot of money for an acre with nothing on it. There's no house here. There's no no building. It's not connected to anything. It's just an acre of land for twenty thousand yeah. dollars. Like, you know, sometimes you look just, in Montana you gotta, like, and it's like huge plots. Right. Where it's right. Yeah, it's 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 hard. Sometimes you got to like know a person who's selling mm-hmm. something to really get a good deal. You yeah, know? it's it's killing me. But I wouldn't have such a big issue. If we didn't have a husky who needs space, uh, yeah, the husky is a little too small for the apartment. Um, let's see, what else do we have? Uh, Rye set just sent two dollars. Thank you, uh, Elena De Howler. Uh, wait, where to go? Where to go? Ah, did I lose it? Um, I lost it for a second. For some reason, my uh, my YouTube Studio stuff is running really slow, so I'm having trouble. There we go. Maybe that'll speed it up a bit. Um, there it is. Uh, she said, just wanted to thank you for being so open to everyone's thoughts slash opinions. I appreciate it. Uh, Kellen, the official data said for five said, no question, just money. Thanks for being here. Missing Enigma. Thank you. Uh, he also says, remember kids that the police have zero legal requirements to help or protect you, which is true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there have been Supreme court cases about that, which they get makes, to lie to you, and they don't have to help you. <laughs> it is terrifying. Uh, and unfortunately, sometimes they're the only people who can help, Yeah. and then they don't. Um, there are good cops, to be clear. I, I just... A shocking amount of bad ones. 
um xi for two said hey mattis love you any interesting topics for 24 i'm hoping that uh as we put together these smiley face killers videos and come through with uh with that analysis video i'm hoping that satisfies everybody's uh everybody's need because uh fortunately people just aren't going missing like they used to um everybody's always like you should do missing 411 and i'm like thankfully nobody is going missing <laughs> right <laughs> i would pr i would prefer not to uh <laughs> All right, uh, Ben Leb sent uh, six euros and said, greets from Germany, no question currently. Pretty happy with your content, guys. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, Thornbury said, uh, the most confusing one for me is still Paul LeMay. Also, sorry I couldn't join this evening, y'all. Paul LeMay was a weird one. Have you looked at that? No. Uh, he went, it was this Mount Marathon uh, race up oh, in... Oh, oh, yes, yeah. I did do that one. Yeah, Seward. Yeah, yes, it, I, I don't think it's necessarily like impossible that he really did just kind of go the wrong way it's just very weird that he went missing as quickly as he did right he like was he the went... last in line of that race right yeah, and he was Going like in way in slower view than everyone else of the turning uh, of the turnaround like he should have known and they're like ah maybe he just kept going because he did i mean the the most the simplest explanation in that one is that he just kept going because he didn't realize where it was and fell into a crevice uh you know in which case it's it's negligence on the part of the race like staff because somebody should have stayed up the there staff didn't didn't they say no one was left in the race or something I, and even though he was still up there at some point so i feel like it's unclear exactly what happened there may have been some miscommunications but basically he got to he the the people at the top thought that he thought that all of the racers had come through they pack up yeah. they start walking down they run into paul lemay and He's like, I know I'm late. Can I still finish the race? They say, I mean, yeah, it's just like 200 yards up that way. This is the turnaround. Just, you know, turn around and come back down. Um, after that, nobody sees him again. So the, on the one hand, it's very possible that he got up there, that they should have waited for him, that somebody should have gone the 200 yards with the old guy and made sure he made it out safe. Like, first of all, no matter what actually happened to the guy, that that's a problem. That should have happened. Somebody had, should have been following him. Uh, again, we're, we're not talking like he had a mile left to go. He had like 200 yards. Somebody should have been like, all right, you know what? I'm tired. It's been a long day. I'm cold. But somebody should make sure he's all right. Uh, either way, that should have happened. But it's very possible that he did just keep going. Um and the, the reason they didn't find him below that point is because he just wasn't there. I, you know, it is a little weird that nobody has found his body, but. Yeah, I know. I know I'm, Mount Marathon is like all slippery shale, if yeah. I recall correctly. It's an extremely uh, difficult climb. Yeah, but still, you would think that even if a body rolled down, they might find it at some point. Or that cadaver dogs would find it somewhere, but right. nothing. Yeah. Um, I don't know, maybe there haven't been cadaver dogs sent out, but you would think at this point it I is kind of isolated. One. That one was on the TV show, the Alaska yeah. State Troopers TV show. I remember that. It's a weird story. Um, yeah. But like like all of these, it's, it's much less inexplicable than it's made out to be. Um, That's, yeah. So it's it's always like I'm still in a lot of these cases I'm like ah that's still really weird but it feels more like there's just something we haven't learned yet than right. that that Bigfoot did it. There are a few that I'm like that seems like Bigfoot did it. 
Um, and by Bigfoot, I do not mean the, the, the Gimlin tape Bigfoot. I mean a more nebulous thing that I haven't decided <laughs> what it is yet, but probably like human colonies out there that never got past the Stone Age, uh, which doesn't seem plausible anymore, but 200 years ago does. I'll keep my mind open to it. Uh, exactly. That's where I am. Is I'm like, all right, I could see that. Like this, this is what I'm okay with. This is what I could vibe with. And then that's where I'm going to stop <laughs> for my own sanity, um, which I think is, is growth because originally I was saying the Wendigo did it. Um, there you go. Yeah. But uh, Aiden, by the way, I, you, you can, I guess you probably could write that super chat off of your taxes. Um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll call that even uh cm oh yeah cm for 10 said was drugged in a philly bar and briefly faded in near the river and thought this is how i become a lore lodge episode in that moment of clarity i found a taxi thanks for possibly saving my life see you're doing the lord's work i'm glad i'm glad you survived unfortunately the probably the same exact thing happened to tommy booth and he didn't so you you may have almost become a smiley face killer uh episode email me because i'm curious about what happened uh you don't have to if you want to use like a throwaway email to not give any specifics away that would be that'd be fine but i am curious like if i if i end up because what i've been doing is i've been taking all of these cases and putting dots on a map and being like all right are there any places in common any routes in common anything we need to look at so if if you were drugged in a philly bar and and fell into a a river then I would certainly like to know what happened, especially because Philly's right there, and I don't want to do that myself. Um, oh, that's that's good. Someone needs to put together a map of, like, the truly unexplainable ones, ones that really are kind of like, well, this seems iffy. You know? That's what I'm working on. I want to find a way to make them, like, I want to do, like, a basic, like, Google My Maps kind of thing, but then I also want to find a way to, like, put up a website where people can drop their own pins in. Uh, mm. But obviously with, like, you know, you, you need, need to, to submit documentation. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> you know, I'm going to need a newspaper article saying that the body was found here, not just like, ah, right. I heard he was here. Um, you know, or maybe we'll do it so that like there's you, you can submit verified information and get like a green check or a green dot and you could submit like, you know, hearsay and get an orange dot, something like that. I don't know. I haven't decided yet where this was something I started working on two weeks ago. Um, okay. Yeah, so Shadow Knight Cruz uh, became a member, him, him or herself. Thank you. Uh, Nove A42 for five said, thoughts on the Sierra Camp tapes. Also would love to see a collab video with you two. We can definitely talk about that because I'd be happy to do a, a joint video. Um, okay. But yeah, do you, do you know the Sierra Camp tapes? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What are your I thoughts? Mean, they, they definitely sound bizarre, you know, but... It's hard for me to get to a point where I'm like, oh, well, that's a Bigfoot or that's a... because I don't know. People do weird things sometimes and, and fabricate weird stuff. Mm -hmm. I don't know if those sounds are something that couldn't be fabricated somehow, but I'm open to the idea that they are, in fact, big feet saying yeah. those weird noises that's on, you know, I don't know. That's kind of where I am, too. From what I looked at with the, the way they plotted it all out on vocal registers and stuff, it was certainly interesting seeing, like, the variation and how it seemed like it was too broad for a normal-sized person. And then people were like, ah, well, there are people who are over seven foot out there. They, they said it, somebody would have to be, like, seven foot four or something 
to have a, a trachea and a larynx long enough to produce those sounds. Interesting. Um, I think it was like the depth specifically was the one that like humans can't shouldn't be able to get that low. Uh, and also get that high basically was like, it was the very, it was the difference. It was the distance between the two spots that was inhuman, not the, the depth or the high pitch. It was like the fact that it could do both was weird. Um, but somebody was like, Oh, well, if so, there's people who are over seven foot four. And it's like, yeah, like 1800 of them in the entire world. Like they probably were not on that mountain. Um, you know, I just get a lot of, I get a, I get a lot of questions in my own head when I think about these things. Like, I like, as far as I've seen, there isn't a whole lot of tape in the Sierra tapes, it's unless like I'm minutes. wrong. Right. And I'm, and these guys said they go out, they went up there like every season mm-hmm. and we're experiencing this. And I'm like, you should have like hours, right? You would Out, think more like where, where is all of it? Like I want, I always want like the full length, whatever you were doing that led up to the sounds and after, you know, because I, it, it, it helps me believe mm-hmm. it more. Yeah. You know? I definitely if think, I, I yeah. definitely think it would have helped if this is something that happened 10 years ago when everybody had a, a camera in their pocket instead of their one journalist friend being up there with them with his film. Like, <laughs> Yeah, so what year were they again? The was, I think tape? 72, I want to say. And and it was a journalist who was the one who recorded it? Yeah, so the guys who were going up, who were experiencing it for a couple of years, uh, as the story goes, at least, uh, Ron Moorhead um, was, I think, the one who first experienced it. I think Al Burgundy was the, I want to say, the the journalist who recorded it. Uh, they basically were going up, and from the way the story is told by them, uh, Al did not believe it. He thought that they were screwing with him, and they were like, no, dude, come on, bring your camera, bring your microphone, we'll go up, you'll see for yourself. Uh, and this is what made Al into more of a believer in the whole thing, uh, is when he went up and he recorded this. But yeah, it's basically that he was a, a video journalist, and he brought up his camera and his microphone, and they sat in their little hut thing and recorded it. I will say... I. Uh, Surprised me a little bit that when that happens, you'd continue going up there. But then again, they were armed. They were experienced in the woods. I don't necessarily think it's out of the question. Um, you know, I think there's with that one, there's enough for me to I use that as a, a, a jumping off point, like for for my consideration of the possibilities. I don't think there's enough in those tapes to prove anything, but it does give you kind of an idea like, all right, well, maybe this is a good place to look. Maybe this is a good thing to, to right. think about, you know. I, I compare it to uh, the Saskets up in British Columbia. The the Shehalish people talked about these. They were uh, six and a half, seven and a half feet tall, more broad than we are, a little bit hairier. Now, keep in mind, these are Native Americans telling this. Uh, Native Americans are typically less hairy than Europeans. Um, so to them, hairy could be what we look like, theoretically. Uh, they seem, they, they suggest, the people talking to J.W. Burns suggested it was even more so. Um, because he was white and they didn't say that he looked like you. They said they were hairier than us. Uh, hmm. And they also talk about them being capable of human language um, and living out in the woods and living in caves, being very strong, very fast, kind of aggressive, you know, things like that, which all do sound like plausible traits for an isolated group of humans who have maybe evolved into those conditions over the course of thousands and thousands of years. You probably wouldn't see something akin to the difference between humans and Neanderthals, but people who are on average seven feet tall, that can develop over the course of 10,000 years easily. 
Uh, we see tribes in Africa that are the same way, where they're exceptionally tall. Dutch people are exceptionally tall, and that's not even, like, that's several hundred years of, you know, a, a specific breeding population. So I think a lot of people are very quick to dismiss the concept, but I also think it's not helped by the, the Bigfoot community often insisting that this is more like a great ape than a large person. Um, yeah, I've always found the best evidence or what I find most compelling is usually the native lore and stuff, stuff that came from a long time ago. The newer evidence to me is never as uh, it's never as convincing. Exactly. <laughs> you know, especially in the age when so much can be fabricated and faked and, and we get so much of that. Um, drives me yeah. insane. Let me go back to viewer activity here. God, this is just running so slow. It's weird. I'm like almost ready to pull it off of my uh my phone. It's because there's all these little like animations YouTube has added into everything, and there's eight million different things going on right now. Uh okay, here we go. Uh Eleanor de Howler, Werewolf Queen, also said my twin brother's name is Enoch. It's a cool name. Cool character too in the Bible. Like just really interesting, interesting guy to read about. Uh See, uh, Agamemnon's gym bag said, was the Jeeper from Jeepers Creepers supposed to be the Mothman? I have never seen Jeepers Creepers, to be honest. Might be a cardinal sin, have you? Yeah, I've seen it. Uh, I don't, I don't really see the Mothman connection, but, uh. I'm looking, I'm trying to figure it out. Is that really as recent as 2001, or is that a remake? Yeah, I think 2001 sounds right. They made a second one, too. Oh, I was. Oh, the song is really old. OK, the songs from the, thir yeah. From the 30s. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know that that would. I'm looking through. I'll have to watch it. Uh, maybe next time we do like a horror movie. Lore video, we'll hit that one, but. I, I just don't know enough about it to answer the question. I'm um, also going to try and get through. I'm just going to get through the ones that are already in here because I'm sure you've got stuff to do. Um, so I don't want to keep you too long. But uh, see, uh, Kira's Dollhouse Sweets Crochet became a member. Thank you. Um, or no, has been a member for seven months. Uh, thank you. XI said, I will go missing so you have content. <laughs> Please don't. <laughs> Please don't. I will be fine. I will survive. Uh, although if you want to like, you know, I don't know, find a way to hack into the government's database and delete everybody's student loans, I would appreciate that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that is currently where all of my money is going. <laughs> the government does not like it when you, uh, make money. They, they're just like, no, 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 no. Give me all of that. Uh, <laughs> see, uh, Kellen, the official data said next time I'm camping in the Washington Olympic mountains, I'll let you know in case I go missing. Good. Please do. We will come find appreciate you. Hopefully. I remember on jib bag for two said all of the milk train people have gone missing. I don't know if they've gone missing. I just think they're being quiet. There just hasn't been a milk train in a while. That is not an invitation. Um, party like 1776 said it's possible he was buried in a shale landslide. If he fell and started a small one, that's a good point hmm. about Paul and a is if he fell yeah. and a landslide covered him up, that would definitely be a problem. Could be cadaver dog would be your only chance at that point. Yeah. Like that's the only thing that's going to be able to sift through shale like that in any Wouldn't be the first time something like that happened too i remember yeah. tatum morell was a case that happened fairly recently and 
I remember she was a missing 411 case for mm -hmm. like a year before she was found buried under a landslide. Was it cadaver dogs? Nope. Someone came across her boots sticking out of the rocks. Ah, uh, yep. It, the, yeah. Never, never hike alone. Yeah. <laughs> or at the very least, tell somebody exactly where you're going and do not stray from yeah. the route. Uh, like, be like, here's where I'm going. If you don't find me somewhere along here, something happened. <laughs> See, yeah. uh, I did miss one from Barry Niswander who said, did you go to the absinthe bar in New Orleans? Unfortunately, no. I, after the food poisoning incident, I was a little cautious. Um, I did go to a phenomenal steakhouse called Doris, though. Oh, my God, it was good. Uh, they also, as a, Wendigoon took us to another steakhouse, but I'm, the name is escaping me right now. But that was also very good. Um, it wasn't food poisoning either. We think we got like some sort of bug that's going around because we got it at different times. Um, but let's see. Party like 77. Okay, I got his. Uh, Bigfoot is a ghillie suit for interdimensional travelers. <laughs> I love these theories. These are great. I've heard something similar to that before. <laughs> yeah, like it's a sp it's the it's the space suit the aliens are wearing. Right. Um, yeah. To blend in, they they got bad intel. Their every all of their intel was from five hundred thousand years ago. So. <laughs> <laughs> they made their human suits wrong right that's honestly not a horrible one to start telling people that the <laughs> that the aliens visited us like you know that, that they they were looking at us two million years ago and they were like ah okay that's what we need to look like and then by the time they got here we looked like this um i, I like that one i want i want somebody to write that movie right oh yeah because yeah. i'm not gonna do it i i just <laughs> i could i just don't have the time um Plus, nobody's bought the last three movies I wrote, so. Uh, Air One Sam for 10 said, planning on doing a law research paper on cannibalism, was wondering if you could share your sources or give me advice on where to find information for uh, on some of the old stories and videos. I sent an email. I will look for it. Uh, for a lot of it, unfortunately, the answer is going to be JSTOR, so make sure you have a JSTOR subscription. Um, it's 20 bucks a month. It's not bad. Uh, and if you're doing it for work, then you can write it off your taxes. Um, that said, if you're not going to write off more than $12,000, don't, don't take my advice on the taxes thing because it's not going to do anything for you. Um, cause it's standard deduction. Uh, but yeah, I can definitely, I'll try and get back to you with, with some stuff. The Dyatlov pass video, that one didn't involve cannibalism. Um, what was I thinking? Donner party, Donner party. I can definitely give you some sources on, um, see did you get a hurricane at least when you say a hurricane do you is that like do you mean like a hurricane is in katrina because thankfully no one of my one of my youngest school memories is fundraising for that going around door to door uh yeah but i uh, if you mean a, an item of food then no so the, the answer in both cases is no i'm just curious about what specifically you meant um but that does look like we are through essentially everything and I would go through and look for other questions, you know, that are interesting, but my computer is running so absurdly slowly right now. Uh, so I think we'll we'll kill it there. But yeah. All right. That was good. Okay. Um, also, just, just on the off chance that, that uh, the person is being serious, uh, Clutch Bleach said unsubscribing everyone before i unsubscribe from life have a good life lore lodge people don't don't unsubscribe from life life sucks sometimes but it does have its moments that make it worth it i promise and uh 
I, I don't know about you. I was in some dark spots before I started doing this. Um, and just changing my career has made my life immeasurably better. So there's a lot of things you can try before you try that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't talk about it, you know, but I mean, five years ago, I was homeless. I was a drug addict. You know, it's, you can turn your life around yeah, it's, it's, if, you, if you decide to. You really can. I, uh, yeah, I mean, in coming out of college, I was I was drinking a lot. <laughs> like, I, I, I drank a lot. And it wasn't a continuation of me partying. It was like I was just... Wednesday night, I'll have a, I'll have a few glasses of whiskey and then it's, you know, seven. Um, yeah. So <laughs> you can, yeah, you know, everyone, yeah. you know, everyone has their own challenges. You got to find a way to, uh, to get through and come out the other side. Exactly. And, you know, they're good lessons, you know, there's no, no matter how, how bad things seem, it's there, there are a lot of things you can try to improve your situation before you go go to the Absolutely. nuclear option um there's always hope there's yeah. always hope yeah and sometimes you know if you if you can move try moving if you can go back to school try going back to school switch jobs if possible you know unfortunately it's a lot harder to just disappear these days and escape your problems but uh there's stuff you can try and i would recommend trying it before before you go the self-deletion route um Amongst them, I would be sad. I would be sad if if I saw that message and never saw another one. So if that if that means anything to you, um, you know, I I hope to see you in the chat next week. Uh, but you know, to kind of end things at this point because it's nearly nine p.m. Um, and that is that is way too long for this show. I uh, you know, <laughs> I uh, I want to throw things to you really quick. If there's anything you felt like you didn't have a chance to to say, or if you want to shout out uh, your channels and your work. I think we covered it pretty well. Uh, thanks for having a chat with me. Of course. Thanks you for know, coming on. I just, I, I wanted to talk to you because uh, you're the, really the only other person in the missing person space that I have a lot of respect for. And uh, you, you take it really seriously and you do your research well. Thank you. And, uh, and I appreciate that. So I thank Thanks for uh, having me on and talking to me and uh, anyone who wants to can go over to my channel, the missing enigma. I just, uh, uh, I do the best I can on any case that I can and, uh, and try to find, you know, I'm interested in the paranormal and stuff, you know, if that's where the case takes me mm -hmm. and I, you know, I don't try to, you know, just be a skeptical guy. I like to stay open-minded on everything. And so, uh, you know, I'm waiting for that one case that, uh, you know, I finally find Bigfoot or finally, find, you know, what, but it would be cool. I'm waiting for it. You know, <laughs> it would be really cool to find Bigfoot. Yeah, but so if anyone wants to check that out, Missing Enigma <laughs> and uh, Patreon too. If you if you do like my videos and you want to support, there's uh, almost always an extra video or two on there that hasn't come out yet. And uh, yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate anyone who supports my channel. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you you've you've rapidly become one of my favorite other creators in the space. I think that you've done some phenomenal work. And do you do you draw those everything yourself? Yeah, although I'm, I'm, I think I'm trying to move away from that because it's like it's a it, lot it of work. Cool. It is a lot of work, and it was cool before AI art came out, and everyone started kind of do. I see AI art on like all the thumbnails now, mm -hmm. and I feel like, you know, I feel like it, it, it's 
less cool now, you know, yeah. since other people are doing it or something. It takes so much time. I'll still do it, but I'm less focused on the art these days, especially there's only so many times I can draw like a hunter walking in the woods before I'm really bored. Of it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I reuse a lot of uh, the same drawings and stuff as if I can, but you know, art's just one of those things I was good at. And when I made my channel, I was, I was like, well, I'm going to take anything I'm good at and I'm going to try and put it into the channel or anything I'm interested in. And yeah. you know, that's just how it came out. But uh, yeah, you know, yeah. Well, art's cool. I, I think that the, the art is one of my favorite parts with yours. Um, so I'm appreciate it. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure people were aware of it, especially if it's going away, um, you know, catch, catch it. Well, it's not can. going away completely, you know, <laughs> but uh, you know, yeah, might but... be less, less artwork. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on. I highly recommend everybody check, check you out. I mean, it's, you have done some great work and I, I think you deserve you deserve the attention, um, especially Thanks, considering how many people out there get the attention and don't deserve it. <laughs> <laughs> so thank you so much for coming on. And uh, to those thank viewing, thank you for the chats. Thank you for engaging. Thank you for, uh, for you know, for hanging out and, and making it so that we can do a job like this, because it, it really is the, the best job I've ever had and the only job I ever hope to have. So uh, thank you guys so much. And I will see those of you who watch uh, the personal channel on Tuesday for the uh, the reaction stream. I'm not sure what we'll be reacting to, but we'll find out. All right, see you guys.